human himself. We also looked last week and we closed on the providence of God. God is a God who is sovereign, and as a sovereign God, God rules and controls all the circumstances of life. And Paul knew that. Paul knew that even though Onesimus stole from Philemon, Paul knew that even though Onesimus ran from Philemon, that God was orchestrating all of this. And we read in that little letter that perhaps, perhaps he was separated from his master. This morning, we're going to look once again at this little letter, but look at it from the focus of forgiveness. Someone said that Philemon is all about forgiveness. Because what Paul is going to do is ask Philemon, after he's been wronged, to forgive his slave. Forgiveness is probably one of the hardest things anyone can do. And yet, as someone said, we are never more like God than when we forgive. We are never more like God than when we forgive. Now before we look at Philemon, I know you've already found that little book, I would ask you to turn first of all to Matthew chapter 6. In Matthew chapter 6, we have a few principles of forgiveness. I want to look at these principles before we look at Philemon and flesh the principles out. In Matthew chapter 6, beginning at verse 12, we have the words of Jesus as he concludes the Lord's Prayer during this sermon on the mount. And Jesus says in Matthew 6, 12, and forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. Now, as you've noticed in my voice, there's a cracking, <coughs> and with that comes a drink. I assure you, it's just a little bit of water mixed with orange juice, although I remember one day when I had a sore throat, my father, when he was still living, and uh, we were young, <clears throat> my father said to me, I will cure your sore, sore throat. He goes home. And he brings back in a little baby bottle dandelion wine. He said, now you drink this, and this will cure your sore throat. And I had a little couple swallows of that, and it burned all the way down. And I remember a few minutes later, I get up, and my legs were rubbery. <laughs> I don't know what that was all about, but I, my sore throat was cured. Now, although this is yellow, although that's yellow... 
That is not dandelion wine. I don't know what dandelion wine even looks like anymore today. But I assure you that's orange juice. So <coughs> I apologize now for running back and forth. There's a few principles found here <coughs> in Matthew chapter 6. First of all, in verse 12 it says, Forgive those who sin against us. I suppose this is the most obvious principle. That when someone sins, sins against us, someone wrongs us, we are to forgive them. Now, as I said, it's probably one of the hardest things to do, and yet this is a principle that Jesus puts before us. In verse 14, it says, forgive and be forgiven. It says, and if you forgive other people when they sin against you, then your heavenly Father will also forgive you. Now, we'll say a little bit about that in just a moment, but that's the principle. You forgive, and then you'll be forgiven. And then principle number three found in verse 15 is, if you don't forgive, you will not be forgiven. If you don't forgive, you will not be forgiven. Now, let me say a few things about these principles. We're not talking here when it says about God forgiving us if we forgive others, a meritorious act. It's not like we can earn the forgiveness of God. God is beyond that. God forgives when we ask him to forgive us. God forgives when we repent of our sins. God is a forgiving God. We can't earn God's forgiveness. Neither is there a pattern that's established here. It's not like God follows us. Like if we do this, then God, has, then God will do this. God doesn't have to wait for us to forgive, forgive others for him to forgive us. The positive side is this, that Divine forgiveness presupposes our repentance. Now, we know that to be true, that we're forgiven because we've repented of our sins. Salvation is not just believing, but we repent first, right? We have to repent. We have to at least acknowledge our sins. Otherwise, we're not looking for a Savior. It's once we recognize our sins and change from our wicked ways, then we believe in Jesus. Someone said this, Thomas Manton, uh, there's none so tender to others as they which have received mercy themselves that know how gently God hath dealt with them. There's none so tender toward others as those who have already received the mercy of God and have been dealt, and been dealt with very gently by God himself. We who know God's forgiveness, we who have been dealt with, with or we, we who have been forgiven by God, we then are able to forgive others. Now to help us personalize this, um, we now turn to the book of Philemon. Because what Philemon does now is he's going to flesh out these principles. Philemon is a book where the rubber does really meet the road. You see, these are principles, but let's look at how these are put into place, how they're applied. And that's what Philemon does for us. We started in verses 1 through 3. Uh, he speaks of the greeting, uh, identifies himself as the writer Paul, uh, writing to Philemon who has a wife uh, and a son. Uh, the church actually meets in their home 
and then the normal greeting, grace and peace uh, from God our Father. In verses 4 through 7, I, I said that uh, what, uh, at least partially what uh, Paul is doing here, and he's very sincere, but he's flattering Philemon. He's buttering Philemon up for what he has to ask him to do. Now, he says about Philemon, he says, Philemon, you're a man of great love. It's clear that you love the saints. It's clear that you love the church. And he also speaks highly of his faith in the Lord Jesus. Now, he says all of that because of the request that he's going to make. Look at verse 8, and let me read down through verse 21. Therefore, all right, having said all of this, having said that you're a, a man of great love, therefore, although in Christ I could be bold and order you to do what you ought to do, yet I prefer to appeal to you on the basis of love. It is as none other than Paul, an old man, and now also a prisoner of Christ Jesus, that I appeal to you for my son Onesimus, who became my son while I was in change. Remember, this is a prison epistle. A prison epistle. Now, I spoke the other week about how I used to learn things by drawing little things on paper. Um, I, I learned how to, to remember the four prison epistles. There are four of them. C-E-P-P. I'll, I'll never forget that. For some reason, I, I wrote down C-E-P-P -P one time because these are the prison epistles. Colossians, Ephesians, Philippians, and Philemon. Now, you remember C-E-P-P, -P, and you'll always remember that. Paul wrote at times while he was in chains, while he was in prison. He says here, um, I appeal to you uh, for my son while I was in chains. Formerly, he was useless to you. But now he has become useful both to you and to me. I am sending him, who is my very heart, back to you. I would have liked to keep him with me so that he could take your place in helping me while I am in chains for the gospel. But I did not want to do anything without your consent so that any favor you do would not seem forced, but would be voluntary. <coughs> now perhaps, and here's where uh, we looked at providence, perhaps the reason he was separated from you for a little while was that you might have him back forever, no longer as a slave, but better than a slave, as a dear brother. He is very dear to me, but even dearer to you both as a fellow man and as a brother in the Lord. So if you consider me a partner, welcome him as you would welcome me. If he has done you any wrong or owes you anything, charge it to me. I, Paul, am writing this with my own hand. I will pay it back. Not to mention... <coughs> Isn't it interesting when people say not to mention, they're going to mention it anyway. <laughs> so, so Paul does here. Not to mention, but I'm going to mention it, that you owe me your very self. I do wish, brother, that I may have some benefit from you in the Lord and refresh my heart in Christ. Confident of your obedience, 
I write to you, knowing that you will do even more than I ask. What is Paul's request? What is Paul asking Onesimus to do? Or Philemon to do? Paul is asking Philemon to forgive his slave Onesimus. Paul is asking Philemon, who has robbed him, who has run away from him, Paul is asking Philemon to forgive this runaway slave. It's interesting, the play on words that are used in verse 11. He says, formerly, he was useless to you. Uh, There was a time when he was a worthless, robbing slave. But now, verse 11, he has become useful. The name Onesimus means useful. It means profitable. So here's the slave now who has become a Christian through Paul's ministry, who is now living up to his name. He at one time, formerly, was useless. But now, he's useful. You know, for the Christian, there's always a before, and there's always an after. What makes the difference? The gospel. The gospel always makes the difference. The gospel is what changes a sinner into a saint. Paul said in Romans chapter 1 that the gospel is the power of God for salvation of everyone who believes. It's the gospel that changes everything. We read in 2 Corinthians, all things are passed away, and behold, all things become new. The songwriter said it well, once I was lost, now I'm found. I was blind, but now I see. And that's what happened to Onesimus. Onesimus came to that place where he realized his sinfulness. He realized that he was a, a thief. He realized that he has violated the laws of God. And he came to Christ and accepted Christ as his Savior. And with that comes a relationship change with Paul and also with his master. Onesimus now is a brother to Philemon and a son of Paul. And then in verses 17 through 19... Let me go back and read these once again. This is where I want us to focus. Paul says, so if you consider me a partner, welcome him, Onesimus, as you would welcome me. If he has done you any wrong or owes you anything, charge it to me. I, Paul, I'm writing this with my own hand, and I will repay it back. Not to mention that you owe me your very self. Philemon, if Onesimus owes you something, and we know that he does, we know that he stole from Philemon. Uh, If it wasn't material things, it was time. While he's away from Philemon, he's stolen time from his boss from his master. And Paul says, listen, if he's stolen something from you, if he owes you anything, charge it to me. You know, those are nice words. Charge it to me. Imagine being in a restaurant and 
you're sitting down for a great dinner and you go to pay your bill and the cashier says, oh, someone already paid your bill. It was charged to them. Or imagine a college student going away to school. And we know the tuition bills today. And the student goes away to school and mom and dad say, listen, just charge that bill to me. Those are nice words. Charge it to me. I will pay. Onesimus clearly has wronged his master. Clearly has stolen and run away. But Paul says, Philemon, I will repay. If he owes you anything, I will repay. Oh, and not to mention, you owe me. It sounds as though Paul led Philemon to the Lord as well. And so he reminds him of that. It was Martin Luther who said this, Even as Christ did for us with God the Father, thus Paul also does for Onesimus with Philemon. When you hear those words, charge it to me. Put that on my account. I will repay. It sounds a whole lot like Jesus, does it not? Jesus saying to his father, listen, look down there on earth. You see him over there? You see her back there? Listen, if they have done anything wrong to you, charge it to me. Because that's what the Bible says. The Bible says that when Jesus died on the old rugged cross, he paid the debt of sin that we committed. And so we owe God a great debt that we cannot pay. But Jesus says, Father, charge all of those sins and place them on my account. I will pay. Jesus, as he died on the cross, he looked out over those that were there and said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. We are never more like God the Father than when we forgive others. In Isaiah chapter 53 and verse 6, it says this, we all like sheep, we've all gone astray. Each of us, we've turned to our own way. But the Lord has laid on him, Christ, the iniquity of us all. The great work of Jesus on the cross, the work of substitution, that he took our place when he died on that cross. That he stood in our place when he died at Calvary. That Jesus bore the sins of the world in his body on that tree. Christ paid the penalty for our sins. For God, he so loved the world that he gave his one and only begotten son. That whosoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. Onesimus came to the place where he recognized his wrongdoing. He repented of his sins and trusted Christ. As Philemon did through the work and ministry of Paul. And now Paul says to Philemon, charge it to me, I will pay it back. And then he says in verse 21, he says, I'm confident of your obedience. I know that you will obey. Now remember, Paul said, I'm not going to command you. I'm not going to uh, use the uh, authority card. I could. I am the apostle but I'm going to appeal to you on the basis of your love. And I know that you will do 
the right thing. You know, it's interesting because there's no historic document of what happens next. We don't know what happens after this. We don't know for sure that Philemon welcomed Onesimus back. But we can say with a great deal of confidence, as Paul, that he did just that. Because it goes on to say that not only is Paul confident, but he says, I know you'll do even more than I ask. Paul knew Philemon pretty well. And he knew that he would go above and beyond what Paul was asking him to do. You know, there are those who are called by some extra mile type of people. Those who, when you ask them to do something, oh, they'll do it. But then they go the extra mile. Uh, I don't know whether you know it or not, but there's a brand new roof over top of you right now. Uh, we had a group from Millersburg who came down on Wednesday, actually. Actually, they did our roof over across the street on Tuesday in one day, and they did this whole roof on Wednesday in one day. There were four brothers, and they were like a well-oiled machine. You should have seen them work. They were here early in the morning, and by, I guess, 4.30, 5 o'clock, they were complete. Everything was done. But they were great guys. And when I think about Philemon, you know, going the extra mile, uh, these guys were the extra mile type of people. Uh, because if you saw them work, I mean, they worked hard. And they were nonstop. But after they were finished, over at the house, I looked on the ground and there's like, it's so messed up. Stuff on bushes and stuff on the grass and paper that they had thrown down on the ground. It's just, but till they left, you would not even know they're there. They had this huge big magnet thing. Then you would take it across the grass and the bushes that would, would, would take anything metal. And just would stick against this thing. I mean, it was, it was amazing to watch these guys work. But I was pleased that they did the extra mile thing. There were people like that. I'm not going to, I don't want to embarrass anybody, but we have a guy who mows the grass in the church. And we asked this guy to mow our grass, and he does mow the grass, and he does it very, very well. But he's an extra mile kind of person, because this week he was fertilizing, and as he mows the grass, he has his little spot sprayer and sprays the little pieces of dandelion. Oh, boy, my dad would wouldn't like that, with all that dandelion he used for wine. <laughs> I didn't even think of that, but he spot sprays all the dandelion. But you know, ask, there are some people in the church, you ask them to do this, but you know you're going to get this. That was Philemon. And Paul knew, even though, again, as I said, we don't have any historical document as to what happens. Paul says, I'm confident in you. And not only that, but I know that you're going to go the extra mile. You're going to do beyond what I've even asked you to do. You know, as we read this letter, we're struck at once with the concern that Paul had for these two Christians. Yes, it was master-slave. Yes, it was Philemon and Onesimus. But now they're brothers. They're brothers in Christ. And Paul had a great concern that these brothers might be restored. The relationship might be restored. Remember, as Paul's writing this, the relationship has been broken. 
They're not together. And Paul's appeal is, you've got to make this right. You both have things to do to restore the relationship. As I conclude this morning, I want to conclude with three lessons that I see in this book of Philemon. The first lesson is this, when you are wronged, forgive. When you are wronged, forgive. This is probably the most obvious lesson, but maybe it's the most hardest lesson. When someone wrongs you, forgive. You are required by God to forgive, even if it costs you something. You know, we live in a culture that champions unforgiveness. Isn't that right? We live in a culture that champions unforgiveness. Unforgiveness is easy. Unforgiveness is natural. Unforgiveness, it doesn't take anything. It doesn't take anything to hold a grudge or become bitter. But an unwillingness for a Christian to forgive is unthinkable, according to the Bible. The unwillingness of a Christian to forgive is unthinkable, according to the Bible to the word of God. And the Bible speaks of unforgiveness as rebellion against God. Someone said, as you, when you refuse to forgive, it begins to consume you. And then it grows into bitterness, giving Satan an open door by which he can destroy you, your testimony, your relationships. Forgiveness will hinder your ability to forgive with your ability to fellowship with God. As we read back in Matthew, do not forgive and you will not be forgiven. Paul wanted the best for both of these men. He wasn't taking sides. He just knows that here are two brothers whose relationship is strained and Paul wants them to meet together. When you're wronged, forgive. That's what Philemon was asked to do. You've been wronged, but now you must forgive. The second lesson I see is this. When you do something wrong, make it right. Now that was Onesimus. Onesimus, you did something wrong. Now you've got to make it right. Paul was insisting that Onesimus go back to his master... And by the way, it appears as though Onesimus, along with, I think it was Tychicus, who took this letter to Philemon. I can only imagine Philemon, as he receives the letter from the hand of his runaway slave, as he's standing, reading this letter, and Onesimus is still in his presence. But I also was thinking this week, of the trip that Onesimus had to make, most likely from Rome to Philemon. The fear that must have been within him. The what-ifs that he went through. What if I get to Philemon and he decides not to forgive me? What if I get to Philemon and he decides that I ought to be punished? I can only imagine the thousands of times Onesimus wanted to just stop and turn around and go the other way. 
that Paul said, you must make it right. Onesimus, you must make it right. And so he went. You know, Satan is always trying to keep us from doing the right thing. He likes when Christians are at odds with one another. And he will do everything to keep it that way. But the Bible says we need to make it right. And we don't always know how things will turn out, do we? Onesimus didn't know what Philemon's reaction would be. He didn't know whether Philemon would accept what Paul is asking him to do or would he have him punished. But we don't always know either. When you go to someone and want to make it right, you don't know how they will react. But that's not really your concern. Your concern is to do what God asks you to do. The Bible says that, you know, oftentimes we can't know. and We can't control that person. But we need to do what God asks us to do and then leave the results with him. And then the final lesson I see is this. It's, it's to be a peacemaker. Be a peacemaker. Paul was a peacemaker. Paul wanted so much for Philemon and Onesimus to come together. He was that mediator, that agent of peace. And so he steps in between these two men who are at odds with one another. He steps in to help for fear that this damaged relationship might continue. But we also read in the Bible that we're to be at peace with all men. In Romans chapter 12 and verse 18, it says this, and I'm glad that he used these words to precede the statement to live at peace with everyone. He says, if it is possible, <laughs> if it's possible, because listen, we know it's not always possible, but if it's possible, and as far as it depends on you, see, you can control yourself. You can't control others. But if it's possible, and as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. If it's possible, it's not always possible, but if it's possible, and as far as it depends on you, then live at peace with everyone. Someone said, and I quote, instead of fanning the flames, we are called to be fire extinguishers. That's what Paul was. Paul was a peacemaker. Paul was a peacemaker. So we have this little tiny letter, only 25 verses long, and yet there's so much in it. Last week it was love. This week it's forgiveness. And the lessons we learn are these. When you are wronged, and if you're not wronged already, you will be. There's always a time when we will be wronged. When we are wronged, not if we're going to be wronged, but when we're wronged, we need to forgive. And when you do something wrong, and that time will come, I know there's a time when 
I will do something wrong to someone if, not if, no, no, when I wrong, I need to make that right. And then finally, always, always seek peace. Always seek peace. Father, we thank you this morning for our time together. We thank you, Father, that you are a God who has shown us forgiveness. Father, we look at Jesus and we see the ultimate example of forgiveness, of one who laid down his life on our behalf. Father, help us as we see it fleshed out, not only in the life of Jesus, but in the life of Philemon and Onesimus. Father, help us to forgive others. And when we're wronged, Lord, help us to not be content until we do all we can to bring about peace. You're a great God, and Father, these things are hard to put into practice. And yet, Father, we want to be like you. And we're never more like you than when we forgive. So we thank you again for our time. Use your spirit, Lord, as we go from this place to prompt us and convict us in those moments when, Father, we wrong others to move us to make it right. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hymn number 372, Have thine own way, Lord, have thine own way. Thou art the potter, I am the clay. Mold me and make me after thy will, while I am waiting, yielded and still. Let's stand together and we'll sing this as we close. Have thine own way, Lord, have thine own way. Thou art the potter, I am the clay. Me and make me <clears throat> yielded and still. Have thine own way, Lord, have thine own way. Search me and try me, Master, today. Turn than snow, Lord, wash me. <clears throat> Presence, humbly I bow. Have thine own way, Lord, have thine own way. Help me, I pray. We're all power. Touch Have thine own way, Lord, have thine own way. 
my being absolute sway with thy spirit all shall see Father, that's our prayer, that others would see in us Christ living in us. Father, our prayer this morning is that you might mold us and shape us into the image of your dear Son. Father, we thank you for your Spirit who gives us strength to do what needs to be done. And we pray, Lord, in those moments those moments when, Father, we need to forgive, I pray that your Spirit might work in a special way. In Jesus' name, amen.